0: Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist podcast. I'm Dee, the managing editor at Annie Femme. Uh, you can find all my writings on my blog, The Josie Next Door, and you can also hang out with me on Twitter, at Josie Next Door. And I am joined today by a cadre of a- Chatty AF regulars, Caitlin, Chiaki, Peter, and Rye. Hi,
1: I'm Caitlin. I am an uh, editor and writer for Anime Feminist, as well as The Daily Dot, and I swear that someday I will continue to write for Heroin Problem.
2: Alright, uh, mm-hmm. hi, I'm Tiaki. uh, I am currently speaking from my old office, and am fun employed as a writer, um, congratulations, um, and I am currently moonlighting as a contributor for Hardwired Island, a minor plug right there for a cyberpunk tabletop game. Um, cool. I'm also looking for a job, so you can find me at Tiaki 747 It's a permanently locked account, but feel free to send me a request with a DM.
3: All right, I'm a Peter phobian I'm an associate producer at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor on Anime Feminist.
4: Hey, I'm vry I'm a freelancer. You can find I, uh, all the stuff I do. I. Re- Tweet all my articles on my Twitter at WriterVari, or you can find the other podcast I t- co host at TrashPod. We uh, just recorded our first Patreon episode, Dunking Relentlessly on James Franco, so that was fun.
1: Oh, fun. I love to dunk on James Franco. Because he sucks? Yeah. Yeah, my sister went to UCLA concurrently with him.
3: Oh, no. I'm sorry.
0: Well, we're not dunking on James Franco today. Uh, today we are celebrating our 100th episode spectacular by finally, finally tackling that modern cult classic, the shojo anime film Jupiter Ascending. Now, the reason we picked this is uh, Caitlin and I have been wanting to cover it for a while. The 100th episode seemed like a perfect excuse. Um, It's pretty rare to see a Chojo, debatably Jose, sci-fi series like this. Um, I mean, there's Please Save My Earth, but I don't want to be angry for a full hour, and I don't think (laughs) y'all do either. So so let's talk about something fun instead. So for folks at home, a little bit of background on this film. It is a space opera. It was released in winter of 2015. It is directed by Lana and Lily Wachowski, um, often just collectively known as the Wachowskis. Uh, They are two of Hollywood's three premier anime directors, along with, of course, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, They have uh, dabbled in films like the comic adaptation V for Vendetta, but I think they're best known for their anime movies, such as The Matrix, a standalone sci-fi movie that definitely didn't have any sequels, (laughs) and their uh, reboot of Speed Racer that they did in the mid-aughts, I believe. So... uh, that is kind of just a quick overview of Jupiter Ascending. It did not do well in the box office, but uh, has sort of quietly gained a little bit of a cult following uh, over the years since it was released.
1: It's been getting reassessed. Um, I've, I've looked around the internet and there are definitely uh, people saying that, like, hey, we should revisit this movie because it's actually kind of amazing.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna get into get into the um, all the amazingness of this film in a little bit. Um, but first, folks at home, obviously we're gonna spoil the whole film for you. Uh, that's usually how these retrospectives go. Quick plot synopsis, just as kind of a refresher course for folks at home who maybe haven't seen it in a while. Um, this is the story of Jupiter Jones, a Russian American, uh, I guess, child of an immigrant since she was born on the way to the US. Um, she is unhappy with her life, helping her mom uh, with her work as a house cleaner. Uh, Her life is upended when aliens suddenly start trying to murder her, Uh, but thankfully she is rescued by Channing Potatum, an (laughs) air rollerblading space wolf man, who tells her she's being hunted by the Abraxas siblings. They are Kalik, Titus, and Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne.
4: Professional (laughs) douchebag Eddie Redmayne.
0: Uh, And she is (laughs) amazing in this film, Um, but we find out that this is happening because she is the reincarnated version of their mom, Yes Really. The story unravels from there as Jupiter bounces between the Abrasic siblings and a group of space cops who are actually pretty cool. Um, She learns the truth of her heritage and the dark secrets behind the Abrasics family's wealth and immortality. Spoiler alert, it's people. The answer is people. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that I think that covers the gist of the film. So from there, this is typically how we do these, is we all just kind of give a brief summary of our personal history with it, if there's any fun facts there that you want to share, and then just kind of your general feelings. I think pretty much everyone in this call has seen this movie before, but Varae, you're a newcomer.
4: Yeah, it's one that's been like low-key on my uh radar. For a while, my uh, my wife Dorothy has been wanting to watch it, but we just kept putting it off, so I watched it for the first time this morning, it was fine. I am a fan of the Wachowskis, I really like their visual aesthetic. Um, Bound is freaking amazing if you all haven't watched it out there. This was okay, I, I feel I feel like how I feel with most shoujo is that there's things I can appreciate and maybe it's not necessarily this particular wish-fulfillment fantasy isn't made for me. Also, I hate Eddie Redmayne so much, sorry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, uh, at the time that this came out, nobody really knew who he was. Um, and we can talk about Eddie Redmayne later a little bit as well. Okay, how about uh, everybody else? Caitlin, your kind of overall feelings on this film? I saw it in the theaters after some
1: someone... It was that time when everyone on Tumblr was making these, like, kind of wacky PowerPoint presentations about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone made one about Jupiter Ascending... And I was like, oh my god, that sounds amazing. I have to see it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, it was talking about, like, Eddie Redmayne for some reason talking like someone is standing on his esophagus the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: He just wants to give everybody all the ASMR for the entirety of the movie until he screams in your ear. He's not so much chewing on the scenery as he is throttling it softly.
1: Um, (laughs) But anyway.
0: All
1: right. I... So I saw it and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And I told everyone I knew that they had to see it in hopes of helping boost its box office uh, earnings. Unfortunately, I'm not sure how well I accomplished that because it is considered a flop. You know, it's just sort of uh, always been, this is incredible. This is like something two 15 year old girls scribbled in their journal taking turns telling the story to each other which I have a suspicious suspicion it might actually have been and so when it came on Netflix I went around yelling to all my friends let's watch it I need to see it again oh my god this movie is the best um and so I've watched it twice since it was came out on Netflix like a month ago Excellent. And every every time I do, I understand a little bit more of the actual plot and what's going on. Uh, so, yeah, that is uh, my, my relationship with Jupiter Ascending.
0: Very good. Uh, Peter, how about you?
3: Um, I honestly, I've watched it once before, but I could not tell you where, like when, or even how I watched it. My... <laughs> My theory is that I learned it was made by the Wachowski sisters, and I'm a big fan. Probably the best-known sibling duo in anime besides the Yoshinari brothers. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, when I discovered they made the project, uh, I I think that's what made me decide to check it out. Because I heard about the promotions, but um, I don't know. I'm not a huge Myla Kunis fan. Love her work in the uh, the hit anime, Family Guy, but great, great voice actress. <laughs> well, <Jesus>. But, uh... <laughs> i uh yeah, uh, i the, the movie was pretty good. I get the feeling I'm not sure if the original like manga was like a three story arc deal, uh because like one for each sibling that she meets or something like that.
4: It does have a very and then and then and then sort of pacing yeah, like a three
3: yeah. arc structure, one for each sibling, um so it felt like a trilogy uh so i I thought this structure of the movie was very interesting the first time I watched it, and I think I appreciated it more this time, so. I'm glad I rewatched.
0: It definitely feels like it wants to be longer and maybe wants to be the beginning of a sequence of films. Like, this feels very much like a, uh, what's the word, origin story? Um, It works on its own, but there is definitely that sense of, like, you had a big, big world you wanted to play around in, and you only had, you know, two hours to, to do it. Yeah.
3: It felt like the source material might have been a trilogy, but the Wachowskis don't really do trilogies, so... I think they just yeah tried that's to put it true. On the movie. No,
2: yeah.
0: they really that's just true. yeah that's a good point. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, so I did not watch this in the theaters. That's for certain. I can't remember exactly when I watched it. I know it was on DVD at the behest of a friend of mine who said, "This is the worst film ever. You have to watch it with me." Uh, and she brought over a copy of the DVD and we watched it together. Um, at the time, I kind of just rolled with it, said, okay, this is just really, really weird and really, really bad. But my opinion of um, the Wachowski uh, sisters' films are that they're like fine wine. When they first come out, they're, they're a little too young. They're not good enough. After a few years, you start realizing that they're actually really good, including the Matrix trilogy. Gold you paint.
0: acknowledged it! You said it! You you said the forbidden words! <laughs> it's
3: like the Voldemort.
0: <laughs>
4: I mean, the burly brawl is a great piece of action of, of, of action choreography. I think we can all go ahead and shake hands and agree on that. I
1: only ever saw the first Matrix movie. I mean, the
2: whole
4: I saw highway,
2: highway chase scene.
1: I was not allowed to see our movies in in the theater until I was literally seventeen.
3: Wow, well, what seventeen? <laughs> <So. laughs> that sucks.
0: We must have snuck in because I I definitely saw the second one and was not a fan of it, and then never saw the third because I did didn't hear anything about it that made me want to. Um, so it is it is completely unfair of me to to trash to rag on the the other two Matrix films when I haven't even seen the wow. third one. Oh no, I've seen the just third one. I can confirm it's bad. <laughs> Okay, I mostly just did it as a goof. <laughs> um, so, folks at home, uh, I hope no offense was taken. If you if you genuinely and sincerely love the trilogy, like power to you. I'll, I'll um, catch you up. Neo is Jesus Christ. You're. oh well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I knew that. That's oh fine. fuck!
1: I didn't know that. Uh-huh. No, I knew that.
0: Um, yeah. So, just uh, before we jump into the conversation, just a quick word on my end, mostly because I want to give a shout out to the article that got me into this film. Um, this was not even on my radar. And then uh, Sam Mags, who was writing for the Mary Sue at the time, wrote a review of it that was called Jupiter Ascending is the worst movie ever go see it immediately. <laughs> and the review is inspired and hysterical and I'm mentioning it partly so I can link to it in uh, in the show notes. Um, And I read it and turned to my friend and was like, okay, well, clearly we have to go see this movie this weekend. And so, of course, we did, and we had a great time, and we've been uh, plugging it to our friends ever since. Um, It is not my favorite anime film that's Spirited Away, um, but it is up there surprisingly high on the list I try to I think I've watched it about once a year since it came out I own it on blu-ray it's one of the only movies I think it's it and the Muppets are the only movies I bought on blu-ray in the last like four years <laughs> we are um, very not different. including a selection not including <laughs> sorry not including uh, I guess there's a couple other anime films because I got Liz and the Bluebird recently but um, uh, I don't buy a lot of blu-rays that aren't like anime television series is kind of the point I'm getting at there Uh, But I bought this one so I could watch it whenever I wanted to because that's how much I enjoyed it. Um, It is definitely my favorite bad anime film, and I'm putting bad in a lot of air quotes because I think we have to discuss that later uh, in in more detail. Um, uh, Which, Rai, you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier that um, you said you weren't sure if you were quite the audience for this particular uh, power fantasy, but I think that's Probably a good place to start with the conversation about uh, Jupiter sending as this uh, sort of shoujo slash josei. Again, I'm kind of keeping it in sort of a fuzzy area there.
4: Well, what kind of kept me at arm's length about it is just that me personally, the whole secret princess, you know, secret royalty thing has never been a fantasy that appealed to me even as a kid. Like I was always... uh, very anxious in a way that didn't let me indulge in in kind of that that sort of wish fulfillment um and, and also like i could be a dick and get into the whole thing of like genetic predisposition towards greatness is kind of a terrible thing but i won't
0: <laughs> i actually that might be an interesting point to talk about later because god maybe we'll just talk about it now screw it who cares there's no structure to this conversation um because the film does have these very intense kind of anti-capitalist, anti-nobility uh, overtones. I'm not even sure. It's overtones suggest that it's like there, but not shouting it in your face, and it is shouting it in your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's oh. trumpets. Um, about like, I mean, the villains are these siblings who are literally remaining young and rich by like murdering uh, the quote-unquote lesser classes. You know, people who are less powerful than them. Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne has, which is how I'm going to refer to him every time I refer to him, is uh, he has that whole speech about like humanity being a pyramid and some lives are just worth less than others. And, you know, Jupiter is standing up to that and kind of like um, fighting back against the man. Uh, But it does kind of undercut that by the fact that she is a princess and continues to own the earth when the story is over. Um, So I think in some ways it is trying to have its cake and eat it too by giving you the the power fantasy for Jupiter specifically but also saying but having her be like well no I'm not one of those rich noble people I'm not actually going to hurt anyone with this power well she
1: continues to clean toilets
3: yeah and they're continuing to harvest planets
4: it kind of it's it's like the same thing that goes back at least as far as Tolkien of like it's not that the system is necessarily broken there's just the wrong person in charge of it and I don't I genuinely don't think people who find you know enjoyment in other aspects of that have thought about it that deeply. I think the the Wachowskis, like, wanted to do this anti-capitalist thing, and then they just didn't dig that little bit further, because they love their aesthetics Do those ladies.
0: And that's part of the reason why I almost wonder if this wasn't set up to be if there wasn't the thought of, like, this, we're gonna have more film set in this universe, because first of all, there's a lot of, like, backstory and other side characters who swoop in and out and feel like they could be more important later down the line, but also because none of the Abras well, other than Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne, the Abrasics' survive and continue to own planets, um, and so it kind of feels like maybe there was more story there where they were going to address that, or maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part.
3: At least one of them is definitely evil too, <laughs> like super evil.
0: Yeah, it's hard to tell oh. with the
3: sister, but
0: <coughs> oh oh, yes. you're ta- oh Edipal Fuckboy, yeah, he's definitely yeah, yeah, yeah evil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be real,
1: like, the main reason she enjoys the princess angle at the end is not because she actually wants to own the earth, but rather because it turns her on hearing uh, Channing Tatum call her your majesty. Which is very good.
0: True.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Can't fault her for that.
4: Also, I I can't believe you forgot to mention that her boyfriend is, in fact, a half-albino werewolf (laughs) Half-albino!
0: With angel wings runs of the litter well he doesn't get his angel wings until the end that's i couldn't mention that at the early going
2: i'm kind
3: of glad he got them because honestly like a lot of people have tried to make hover boots cool and i don't think anyone has succeeded
1: so now he can just i love the i love the space rollerblading i Um, i kind of do too actually i love honestly like i love rollerblading in any context i loved it in code geass Uh, I loved it when it briefly showed up in Promare, and I loved it in Jupiter Ascending. (laughs) But yes, Channing Tatum is a, like, and this is why I'm like, this feels like something scribbled into a 15-year-old girl's notebook, half albino werewolf Runt of the litter. Runt of the litter. One man wolf pack.
0: He's searching for his pack. He's so sad.
1: He's a lone wolf, you (laughs) might say.
0: And he doesn't really have a personality, like. Not really. No, no. Uh, okay. he's. That's why I called him Channing Potato. Uh, he's not. He's pretty much just there because to be shirtless a lot. Um, and listen, that's not great. That's not a great way to to deal with a character. Uh, that that's objectification. But there is something kind of refreshing about seeing it with a dude in a fantasy sci-fi epic rather than a, a lady love interest. So.
3: Did you know that he didn't close his mouth once in the entire movie? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are you keeping track.
3: Okay, and there's a reason—not a narrative one—but he could not close his mouth because of the prosthetic he had in his jaw to make him look more like a canine. It prevented him from fully closing his mouth.
0: That's why he always looks vaguely startled. Yes, <laughs> kind of dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I do kind of agree with you, right? It's it's fun because I enjoyed this movie for the fact that it it is this very specific kind of female power fantasy it is not mine I'm also not a kid who ever like dreamed of being a princess or you know having a having a shirtless wolf man uh, sweep me off my feet um but I appreciate it being in this big Hollywood blockbuster anime film because that is really rare and it's done with so much sincerity. Um, one, one little note I made because I like the way Jupiter is also kind of cynical and doesn't really believe in the fairy tales. Um, you know, she starts the story with this line about like, what a bunch of bullshit basically. Um, and the story is kind of, it feels like a fairy tale for tired millennials in some ways where it's like, we know it's, it, these, these stories are fantastical and kind of silly and don't really happen in the real world but like you can indulge in it a little bit which is why I do like that she kind of goes back to her real life at the end but is also up on a up on the Sears tower rollerblading with her wolf angel boyfriend um, oh yeah the sincerity of the
4: film is the best thing about it like it's very sweet and I don't begrudge it at all <laughs> although I do think it's kind of glaring that the fact that first of all let me throw out is this movie an isekai because they go to space and she can't get home is space not another world. Oh.
3: Yeah. That's that's some hmm.
1: That uh, I'm not I have that argument with Jared all the time. <laughs> not about this specifically, but like about like anything. So <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to get into it today. Yeah.
3: I was already dreading the conversations next season of whether <laughs> Welcome to Demon School, Arumakun is an isekai because he goes to hell.
0: <laughs> is Dr. Stone an isekai? Okay. It- it follows the pattern of like your 90s shojo isekai, I yeah. think, very much. And, you yes, You know, does. Uh, a seemingly normal girl is whisked away to another world where she's special and has to go through a lot of trials and comes to realize her own power and wield it, and then returns home, uh, uh, g- you know, grown up and more mature and ready to face ready to face reality. Uh, that's also sort of a standard quest narrative. So I'm I'm hesitant to say this is an isekai. I think they're all. Uh, building off of the same genre but you can I Jupiter Sending you can definitely feel those elements of the 90s shojo isekai genre within it laced within it. That's definitely
2: how I read it.
0: Yeah, and and for me it made it sort of a little bit
4: glaring that Jupiter's an adult. I feel like those narratives work a lot better when they are talking about characters, you know, going through that metaphor of puberty and becoming an adult whereas she is already you know, she, she has rep- she has responsibilities and stuff already.
0: I'm I'm okay with it because I think you can, I think her character is, I mean, Mila Kunis is quite a bit older than, I think Jupiter herself is supposed to be like 20, like pretty fresh out of high school was the sense I got.
1: Which is like good for Mila Kunis being cast young, for relatively young for uh, her actual age. I mean, I do like Mila Kunis. I think
4: that she is really charming in this movie. I enjoyed her performance a lot. I think she made Jupiter really likable.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask how uh, how people thought of Jupiter as a protagonist because she does she has a very slow burn uh, sort of coming of age arc here. I think where she does sort of get bounced around a lot in the early going. But uh, how how do people generally like her?
1: Yeah, I liked her a lot. Um, she there there's a certain self awareness to her character. Like there's a sense that like she is kind of grumpy and and unhappy and but also like kind of awkward the moment where she tells Channing Tatum I love dogs I've always (laughs) loved dogs is 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 just
0: incredibly endearing (laughs) like (laughs) It's such She's... a line. It's like that, and bees don't lie. Like
2: bees are genetically designed to recognize loyalty.
0: <laughs>
1: the thing about so good. the I I have always loved dogs is she realizes the moment after she says it
0: that is the that... stupidest thing to say. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and I think there's like Mila Kunis does a lot of like very subtle, I mean, as subtle as possible in this kind of thing acting like. She has a really good physicality that brings a lot of character to Jupiter mm-hmm. um, and really communicates like a lot of aspects of her personality that wouldn't necessarily come across in the script alone and wouldn't really work with a more wooden actress.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she plays Jupiter very guarded in a way that I think is unusual and unique to this kind of why the hell we'll call it a shoujo isekai because it does follow those those beats. Yeah. Um, Where the characters in those, sometimes they're, you know, kind of exhausted or they're dissatisfied with their lives. But she is actively distrustful of everything going on around her for most of the film. uh, Which I think lends, again, kind of an interesting twist to this where it is, it does feel sort of like the isekai genre. but, But for an adult who has maybe moved a little bit further away from... These fantasy stories, but at the same time Still still kind of wants to Live it out, and so uh, it, it gives Jupiter a It makes her stand out in The protagonist's land. She's also very Smart, which comes across in little subtle ways like when she meets up with Titus and just immediately rattles off these laws that he's breaking by kidnapping her and she can like take this to court. And it's like, when did you have time to read their entire legal system? Because that is impressive. Well, I guess Waiting it was when she in was lying. Yeah, I was I gonna say it was while she was in bureaucratic hell. Yeah. That <laughs> was
3: such a weird sequence. No, it's no. the it just best sequel. I, I, no. I, I loved it, that. but it was like, am I in Hitchhiker's Guide suddenly? Like, it's like <laughs> for, 10 movie, so for ten minutes in the movie, you're they just, are like, have to go to the Hitchhiker's Guide universe.
4: Well, Terry Gilliam is in there as a cameo, so. Yeah, yeah, Yes. Yeah. I
3: guess so. But that was, I don't know. It just seemed uh, very tongue-in-cheek for the kind of very, like, brooding seriousness of the rest of the movie outside of the kind of really bizarre shoujo tropes.
0: Yeah, it definitely, it it feeds into some of the films, um, you know, kind of, it's, again, it has this very unsubtle undercurrent of, uh, like, anti-capitalism and uh, anti, like, the hierarchical structures and stuff, and so sticking in this bureaucracy uh, is kind of a fun little tongue-in-cheek parody of some of those elements, I think. Uh, I, it, it is, it kind of comes out of left field, but it's very enjoyable. I do, like,
4: I I, again, I think it, it's a testament to Mila Kunis's performances that I don't get annoyed with Jupiter as a character, but I did get a little bit annoyed at that the plot forces her to essentially be reactive for mm, 80% of the film.
0: Yeah. Again, that's why to me, it, it feels like an origin story almost. Yeah. Um, the, the, the amount of time it takes for her to, but again, that's very common in this genre. I mean, you think about yeah. a character like Miyaka, it takes her a long time before she's finally, she finally stands up and like, wields the power of suzaku spoilers i guess sorry folks at home
1: it's like the protagonist tends to be reactive because she's thrown into this new situation where she doesn't know what the fuck is happening around her and then once she's like the climax is her learning to be active because she has finally found her footing and she has found within the situation the power that she needs and, like, it is the finding of the power that is um, the big climax, the big climactic moment. Yeah.
0: And the story does some some pretty uh, kind of clever things in gradually moving Jupiter in that direction. Um, there's, throughout the film, especially in the early going, there's these threats of bodily control, like... Um, the lady Jupiter's cleaning house for gets attacked while she's in her underwear. Jupiter gets attacked while she's in a hospital gown. Uh, Jupiter's clo- people keep changing her clothes while she's unconscious. Uh, and when the moment when she says, "I would like to change into something more practical than this stupid dress by myself while I'm awake," uh, is right before she claims her title. And it's from that moment on where she slowly starts to gain power. And then, she's, and then like, the next step of that is, like, figuring out who she is as opposed to this reincarnated mom that everybody wants her to be um, and, like, what's really important to her, which is, you know, her family uh, back home who become under threat. But I liked the way the series um, drew in these elements of... I hesitate to use the word feminist themes, but I'm going (laughs) to. Feminist relevant um, themes with uh, Jupiter, you know, taking control of her own life. uh, And part of that is, you know, taking control of her own body, which like one of my favorite little uh, metaphorical links that I caught this time through, uh, which is why it is like a wine, Chiaki, you're right, uh, is they... Jupiter's family yells at her cousin for treating her like a chicken by trying to harvest her eggs against her will, really. Like, she does not want to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also taking most of the money.
0: Yeah. And taking most of the money because he claims it's it's capitalism, baby, uh, is his actual explanation for it. Um, but then that that sort of links to the outer space story about how they keep talking about humanity as cattle. And so this kind of dehumanization of people and thinking of them as a resource and the way it kind of connects to Jupiter's story, both just as a human on Earth and then also like as a a woman trying to find power in Chicago is it's it's not that's like one of the elements that isn't overt and it's actually pretty well done. So I like that part. Yeah, oh, yeah. totally. And
4: there's definitely some potent uh, that there's definitely something potent to back the fact that, uh, you know, these two trans filmmakers have put a lot of importance on the, uh, the on clothes and the ability to choose one's clothes.
1: Mm-hmm. I think Jupiter might also actually be stateless. Like she was born in transit to the United States with on international like, waters as an illegal, like as an illegal immigrant. So she, she might actually not legally exist which would also ex- like that. And the cynic- cynicism would also explain why she is primarily reactive because she doesn't have a lot of power within her family or, you know, you've heard Howard, not just her shitty cousin, but like how like the rest of her family talks to her. Um You know, so she is, she's not even using her own name to donate eggs, which like as someone who started on that process is not really feasible, but that's okay. Um, And uh, yeah, so like it makes sense that she's primarily a reactive person, um, both thematically and within the universe.
0: Plus it makes the moment when she finally, uh, beats academy award winner Eddie Redmayne with a uh, with an iron pole and space shouts pipe. i'm not your a space, space pipe, pipe thank you and shouts i'm not your damn mother yeah. it's so good it makes that moment very satisfying and then of course she gets rescued by her angel wolfman one last time because uh, this movie very much it it is Towing the line between that kind of like the fantasy of like having someone who will care about you and sweep you off your feet and look after you, but also being able to you know wield your own power and kick your own ass when you need to. Uh, I'm not sure how successfully it toes that line all the time because she does get rescued by Channing Potatum a lot. A lot. Yeah,
3: the uh, the hostage sequence and the wedding sequence. I remember thinking just like this feel this is like the same the same thing all over again. It's like her uh, about to make a really bad decision, maybe, and uh, Channing Tatum flying a spaceship through some sort of space storm, and will he make it in time?
0: Yeah, but that wedding dress.
3: Oh, yeah, that was That was sick. I love the set design and costuming.
0: Well, and there's a, the the big, the key difference there to me is, well, both times she doesn't know he's coming for her, so she really does think she's all alone in both those scenes. The big difference for me is the wedding scene gets interrupted, and that's why she stops. The scene with Academy Award winner Eddie Redmayne is she says, no, fuck you, I'm not doing this. Um, So that is, that's a big, to me, that's a big jump for her character, for her to make a decision and go you know what you guys keep screwing me over there's no reason I should trust you and also like the entirety of Earth's population is on the line so uh, I have to make the I have to make a call for the the greater good
3: yeah especially versus her family who hadn't really been established as sympathetic characters yet
0: it I is... sympathize with her mom just by virtue of
3: her tragic backstory right. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah she nothing. just seems That's... so tired <laughs>
4: everyone else though it is weird that her mom isn't a more prominent character mm-hmm. yeah
3: yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, when her family was captured, I, I, <laughs> I, I very cynically thought like, oh, oh oh well, <laughs> they didn't really... You never got a scene where they were like nice to her. The only time they ever got upset or felt anything on her behalf, I think, was the harvesting thing. Um, and it seemed like they were just more angry at her brother and the reasons weren't quite clear. I, I wasn't sure what her relationship with her family was at that point until the very last scene where she... Goes throughout her normal day, and then they say happy birthday to her, and it's like, oh no, they they. She actually does have an okay relationship with most of her family, except for her shitty. Was it brother cousin? Cousin,
1: cousin. whoever
3: that cousin, asshole yeah. was. Yeah, yeah.
1: And her uncle, her tells who tells her that guys don't like it when girls are smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. men in her family
0: suck. The men in yeah. her family suck, and the women in her family are tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is kind of the the general dynamic
2: that we get from them. Well, it
3: seems like they're the ones who are working and I don't know what the guys are doing.
2: I think the guys are also doing the same thing just the the women in the family have their own jobs to do because you know you have that whole exchange about oh, I'll give that guy the house instead then, right? Mhm. Okay. Um
1: I was expecting something to tie into her father being killed. Yeah, yeah, that. At some point. that
3: they, they would, I thought her father was going to be special or something because he had that space connection, but he really was just, no, just a, a guy. Act of <laughs> yeah, violence. yeah, wow.
0: Well, moms get fridged at the beginning of stories all the time, so this time that's the dad true. got fridged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine.
3: I did want to, since we mentioned it very briefly, I did want to touch on how great like visually the movie was the like set design and costuming and everything it is really hard to do space opera and space opera is like one of my favorite genres so when somebody can really kind of like capture that tone which i think the movie really did well with its like horrifying like galactic capitalist hellscape and all of this like excess uh and all the the like robot handmaiden things and the crazy dresses and stuff i really felt it felt like a space opera well, and I guess the whole organization, like the whole idea of harvesting planets so that people can live for 14,000 years and continue to push all wealth upward and stuff was a, it's a good uh, like higher concept for a space opera too. So from that standpoint, this was based on a book series, right? No. It wasn't? I'm pretty it was sure straight it's, from the Wachowskis? It's an
2: original I'm piece. pretty yeah. sure this is
0: Damn. straight from their brains, yeah.
3: I f- oh, very good.
2: I, I, I was gonna say this a little earlier like, I, I feel like since the Wachowskis came out as trans, like, it almost feels like it's their sort of retake of the Matrix, Matrix in a sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Want to go into that a little bit more? I think that's a really neat yeah, idea. Yeah, like,
2: you have the same sort of similar concept of hu- the human population is essentially cattle for this unseen enemy, or this unseen force, um, that just basically chews out the entire, you know, civilization or Earth without really blinking an eye, uh, ultimately. But then you have the chosen one. So in the Matrix, you have Neo, but here you have Jupiter. Um, The key difference here is that Jupiter is a woman, and she is taking on this sort of the one mentality in an entirely different frame of reference. And that, I guess, kind of feels like a letdown as well, in a sense, because... As you guys have said, it's a very reactive story, whereas in The Matrix, it's more Neo is given the option of taking the reins a lot more sooner and is pushed to take reins rather than be forced to constantly adapt.
4: Yeah, actually, uh, if I can piggyback off of that a little, I... I wonder if maybe it's, because I think you're right, there's a lot of similar themes. Um, I wonder if it's something to do with like, you know, everyone and their dog has talked about the Matrix as a metaphor for uh, trans coming out and Neo and all that, whereas I wonder if Jupiter Ascending is kind of their chance now that they're out to kind of live out in a big budget, all those cool girl adolescent wish fulfillment fantasies that they weren't allowed to have before. But like big,
1: yeah. No, I I a hundred percent agree, and that's why I say that it feels like something scribbled into a fifteen-year-old girl's notebook. Is like this is the Wachowskis making the really female-oriented narrative that they always like wanted to make. um I definitely got that sense.
0: Uh, I hundred percent agree. Yeah, I love that, and I I think you can definitely see that in the
2: story.
3: Can I talk about one scene that absolutely didn't make sense though?
2: Which one? Sure. Which scene? Just one.
3: The the that like I mean yeah I was gonna I was gonna preface this by saying like a lot of weird stuff happened in this movie but the only time I said like wait what the fuck uh, out loud uh, was when the aliens attacked Catherine Dunley. and she was in the closet so she takes a picture it makes a noise or then gets a phone call makes a noise the aliens see her in the closet attack her and then it just cuts to Catherine waking up and Milo Kunis is still in the closet fully awake. And it's like, what happened to the aliens? Can someone tell me, did I miss something? They
0: she got her, her memory. She got her memory wiped.
3: Okay, why didn't they... What the fuck happened? <laughs> like, why, why? where did the aliens go? Why did they just leave instead of finishing what they were doing?
0: I think they did. I think they were just scanning Catherine because they thought she was... They thought she was the match. They thought she was Jupiter, um, the recurrence, because Jupiter put her name in when she was... Uh, yeah, so Jupiter... I actually can't explain the scene. Hooray. Um, they thought it was Catherine because that was the fake name she gave at yeah. the clinic, and that was where they got the DNA match, um, and so they were checking her to verify that it was her, and then it wasn't a match, and then their whole thing is, like, they don't want to cause attention on Earth, so they just wipe memories. They don't kill people.
3: Ah, uh, um, okay.
0: 99.9% of the time, they don't want to murder anybody, because that's good merchandise right there. Um. So, they just wiped everybody's memory and then moved on. Um, And then just
3: waited in the hospital for whoever had given the DNA sample to show up to donate the eggs. Yeah,
0: to figure out who had given that name. And then once they, then they, because then they tested her as soon as she came in and they were like, yeah, it's a match. And that was when they were going to kill her.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, that seemed, I guess, like almost the same thing happened in The Matrix where you're like, why didn't they just take Neo there? Uh, It's kind of a, maybe a Wachowski signature or something, much like extremely long chase sequences that cost millions of dollars
0: god they huh. wrecked chicago didn't they a weirdly empty chicago yeah they,
3: uh, <laughs> that scene they filmed every day for six months uh to make Jesus. that scene yep. Wow.
1: um yeah i i did not largely agree with the flop house episode about jupiter ascending because they said it was a bad bad movie which uh we all know is not true um but elliot did point out that chicago was like weirdly empty during that chase scene yeah for like
0: shortly after sundown yeah it's not that late there should have been a lot more people out
3: yeah cars were only there to be dodged by Channing Tatum every single car was exactly in the way
4: it was Sunday so all the buildings were empty
3: yeah oh yeah Nobody's in the cities on Sundays. Same with San Francisco. It's just a ghost town.
2: It is. you know that Baja Fresh was yeah. closed once on Sunday, and I got I was starving. Oh, that's
0: bullshit.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> it's really hard to be you.
3: I can't say there is one part of the movie that was definitely bad, and I will stick by this. The audio mixing was horrible.
1: Yeah.
0: It. Okay, I thought maybe that was just my Blu-ray being weird, but okay, the audio mixing is is top to bottom a mess on this film. I I watched that
3: movie with my housemates with a remote in my hand the entire movie because I had to keep increasing the volume when it was a talking scene and then decreasing it. And sometimes they switch back and forth like eight times uh, because somebody was fighting the same time people were talking. Uh, I don't know why they did that, especially with Eddie Redmayne. Like, whatever you call the voice that he was doing, barely (laughs) whispering, he was... Inaudible unless you turned it up almost all the way, and then an explosion would happen and you'd all go deaf. And
0: then
2: he This is why
1: I watch things subtitled, just as a matter of course. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I did I put subs on this time, which was the first time I'd done that, and I picked up some lines I'd never picked up before. So
3: I typically watch my anime subtitled. So (laughs) Oh, I meant to ask
0: if you guys watch the subbed or dubbed. (laughs) 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 We always have subtitles on, but
4: sometimes we watch subtitles on with the dub because playing spot the difference is fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
3: We're <laughs> <Or> not fun.
4: <laughs> also, the Netflix subtitles, as per the course for Netflix, are a little bit poorly timed. Sometimes they take a minute to get on mm-hmm. screen. Yeah.
0: That's true. Oh, that's annoying. I watched it. I watched my Blu ray copy, so I didn't have that problem. Y'all should just get Blu ray copies of Jupiter Sunday. I really should. If enough people buy it, maybe they'll make a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can come cold sit cold with bill, me in the Hannibal
4: bill. season four corner of things that are super <laughs> likely to happen. <laughs> no jupiter i think jupiter
0: i would i would love uh jupiter i think i think having like a full space opera about jupiter like it's realizing yeah realizing she can't just walk away and then go and then returning to like crush the power um would be phenomenal but that having been said i think this movie is, is pretty damn good on all on its own so i don't i'm not like dying for them to make more of them um, I mostly would just like to hang out with some of the supporting cast some more because the bounty hunter characters seem very cool and oh I'm sad God. we didn't get more of them. What what great design for characters who are only in like five minutes of the movie.
4: Space cop lady is my favorite.
1: Oh, she's so cool. I, yeah. love, I love
2: the diversity of the Aegis crew. Like, they just are cool. So
1: many different kinds of furries.
0: <laughs> there is a noticeably different vibe and I don't know if this was intentional casting or if it's just a happy accident but the Aegis crew is much more diverse than the scenes you see at any of the Abrasics households where it's like overwhelmingly white people Um, and I don't know if that's an intent I don't know if that's an intended commentary on like the, the the wealth and power structures in place or if it's just just a thing that happened when they were casting the extras. I mean, I um, given that they did sense 8 after this, I feel like they were
4: trying to be more aware of like, you know, intersections between
0: race and sexuality and power and all that stuff. So maybe maybe that's something they would have they would have continued to explore if this if this had been a franchise. Um which actually brings me to kind of an interesting question, which is why do you think this movie flopped? Because it
1: follows um anime and manga kind of typical plot structures, I have a theory that the Wachowskis are just absolute fucking weebs. hmm um, I feel like that's not a theory. Is... That's a fact.
0: Yeah, that's a fact. They rebooted Sp- Speed Racer. They're weebs.
1: Oh, I mean, listen. They like, did the
0: Animatrix. They're weebs.
1: Like, like, <laughs> like, I mean, listen. There's a line between, like, they like anime. um, They like, you know, the anime they watched out. And, like, uh, like, full-blown weebs like we are okay (laughs) and i personally like i believe that they are full-blown weebs um but um you know it since it was marketed since it follows the anime plot structures but it was tried they tried to market it to mainstream audiences um especially since it is a movie like about things that uh warning for like mild gender essentialism but it's a movie of things that girls like uh you know the largely male critical community went uh what the shit is this fuck this
0: yeah i i kind of have a similar feed on it um and i i totally know what you mean about it being gender essentialism because like because like i mentioned earlier like this doesn't necessarily tie into any of my own um Like, this isn't, this isn't my kind of power fantasy, but I can appreciate what it's doing in terms of, like, taking some common elements of, like, female, it's, it's, uh, how how do we usually, it's female targeted, right? It is targeted towards girls um, in a way that a lot of these big epic space, space sci-fi action-adventure type stories are not, and... It does, we talked about this a little bit in our Fushigi Yugi Watch Along as well, how quickly, like, oh, it's so sincere and imaginative turns into, like, oh, it's so, it's so cheesy and stupid when uh, the character is, when the main character is a girl instead of a boy, because watching it again, I watched it with a friend who was being kind of dismissive of it in a way that, like, my other friends and I, we poke fun at this movie because it's, it's very messy, and there's some, there's some, goofy shit in there. Again, Channing Potato Bees has angel wings. Royalty. Bees <laughs> recognize royalty. Bees don't lie. Sean Bean, who betrayed them who does not die, re-beamed. And he doesn't die. Oh, yeah. This movie is that was, groundbreaking. That
3: <laughs> That's why it got bad reviews. Sean Bean didn't die.
0: <laughs> That's the problem. Ah,
3: Damn. You know who not
2: totally this written off,
0: though? His daughter.
2: Mm. No. His What's daughter, he just, she just disappeared.
0: Yeah, oh, they did yeah. not resolve that. They will yeah, yeah they. I think she's just still hanging out at their house back on Earth. I don't Wait, know. but
3: but she had like some sort of illness, right? Because that scene where she coughs and she has to reassure Sean Bean that she's okay, right?
0: I think so. Yeah, so you know well, she's got Sean, space disease. Yeah, well, and 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 B Dad says uh, something to the effect of like the reason he turned uh, he turned Channing Potato in was because
1: he, they were going to do something to his daughter.
3: Yeah, or that planet's going to get hostage, harvested, right?
0: Maybe. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, it it's not super clear, but it was because he was trying to like keep his daughter safe. No, no, yeah. it's because there was a cure and he couldn't afford it.
3: Oh. Oh,
0: was okay. that? Yeah.
4: I
3: can't well, believe
0: I can't believe I missed that. I've seen that movie so many times and I completely yeah. missed that plot point. It
3: a lot of things are happening very quickly. The movie. This, this is tri- true. This it's is a trilogy. It movie. is a trilogy in a single movie.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, I and I got, I it was the way he was being dismissive of it got my hackles up in a way that like me and my other friends like poking fun at it has not and I think it was because a lot of the stuff he was harping on were things where I'm like they do this in space adventures all the time and I know you like those movies and you've never cared before uh so why is this suddenly now a problem um and it was it was kind of irking me that like suddenly it's a it's a sort of uh, female-centric power fantasy and these these same kind of kind of goofball plot doesn't quite fit together the space world is a little bit silly elements are suddenly like a deal breaker problem and I'm like Star Wars does this too you know that right uh so yeah because it is
4: big and kind of dumb and messy but not in a way that a billion big fun dumb space action operas are not
0: yeah it's it's a fun movie um I, I will maintain that it is it is it's super fun
4: it's, it's also absolutely beautiful. Like it's so hard mm-hmm. to make space opera look good, but the yeah. colors. Oh,
1: oh yeah. my God.
0: Yeah. Each, each scene kind of, th- this is one thing the next time I go through, I want to pay closer attention to the art design because right towards the end of the movie, I started to notice some stuff about like the way they were using color schemes and the design of each of the world as Jupiter got closer to the truth as like the, cause like the early world, like Calix and, uh, fuck boy, Titus, um, are very opulent and lush and Calix especially is like genuinely beautiful. Like it has kind of a Grecian like Villa feel to it. Um, and then you get to Academy Award winner, Eddie Redmayne. And I believe I described it as the capitalist cathedral. It's very stark. All those like, all the, that veneer of of civ- of civilization has kind of been stripped away, and it's like it's hell, basically. It looks kind yeah. of like Anor Orlando and Dark Souls, and that makes me laugh like a whole bunch. It's 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 like a cathedral factory. It's um it and with like and and the inside is very hellish because it's all these reds and dark blacks, and his room is like stark iron, but with the kind of rose window sort of gothic um gothic designs to it. Uh, it's really, really well done, um, which is why I did have in my notes, burn down the capitalist cathedral, Jupiter.
3: Yeah, well, they, they definitely did that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. They blew it up. Yep. It was great. Um, okay, so we actually are kind of coming up on the hour. Were there any other points you guys wanted to touch on before we sort of go into our, our final section here?
1: It's, it, I, I really do mean it when I say this movie kind of defies the good movie, bad movie dichotomy. Like, it is so goofy and, like, I laugh hysterically watching at it. Like, all these insane lines, but I love it. Like, my love for it is not, like, remotely ironic. Um, I fully, sincerely love this movie, even though it is kind of silly. And <laughs> like, if someone's like, "Yeah, but is Jupiter sending a good movie?" I'm, I like, I wouldn't have a real answer other than I love this movie.
0: It depends yeah, on what you're it, looking for. It in is a film. so, it is so earnest, and I agree with you, Caitlin. I unironically really like love this movie. Um, and I realized that after watching it the first time, I was like, "Yeah, this isn't even just like a ha ha. It's so bad. It's like, no, I genuinely enjoy this film." Uh, which is, again, it's, it's just, it's so anime that, that big sincere mess of, of all these kind of overly ambitious ideas and, and kind of power fantasy elements. Um, and last night my roommate came out and was like, oh, what are you watching? I told him and he said, I've never seen it before. And I was like, it's bad. And then I kind of hesitated. He was like, I thought it was good. I was like, it is good, but it's, I can't explain <laughs> it. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's so charming to watch
4: you all, like, come into my dumpster and, like, take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I feel all the time.
2: As far, like, for me, I I wanted to kind of wedge this in somewhere. And I guess I'm going to do it here. But it's the same sense of appreciation I have for this other great anime uh, I love called Loop in the Third Strange Psychokinetic Strategy. Oh, my God. Like, okay. It's not... It's a messy and not a great film. It's very campy. But at the same time, like, you appreciate it. Uh, And, you know, the the main reason why I wanted to bring that film up was that, you know, um, Jupiter gets all this power and she just kind of lives with it without, like, really embracing that she has that power. Just kind of just like Lupin.
0: Except as a sex thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's the working man, Cinderella. Yeah. She becomes the princess, but, you know, continues to clean the floors. But
2: it's, it's yeah. you know, it was just... Make that money. It's just like the, the Lupin movie where, you know, Lupin technically owns the whole Earth. And that's why he just takes liberties, <laughs> um, playboying it up and never staying in one place or ever settling down. In a down. horrible white disco suit. Yeah.
0: That, that also sounds amazing. I was
3: going to make an anime comparison, but not quite that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was going to say it's like Shoji Kawamori trying to tackle Mot- Motohagyo or something like that. I, <laughs> I feel like there are very few differences between Jupiter sending an escafloné, especially like the last third of escafloné, where literally everything ceases to make any sense whatsoever.
4: It's because of feelings, Peter, but it,
0: it doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs>
3: Everything's beautiful. There are a lot of very powerful feelings and, and things are of questionable sense or, or narrative worth uh, all the time. But everybody likes Escaploni, right? Don't think I've ever met somebody who watched Escaploni and was lukewarm about it.
0: Oh, you haven't been to my house.
3: Okay, I'm sorry. I've well,
0: never met anyone who hated Escaploni. I will say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is no, I I think Escaploni is probably a pretty a, a very good comparison because and they even have similar story structures um, and, and characters who are struggling to take control. Yeah, and endings to a point. Um. Although Jupiter gets way more makeout sessions with her winged uh, love interest. Yeah. So good for her. I found my place
3: in this new world. Guess I'll go back.
1: Yeah, and I think that is why it is it resonates so well with anime fans is because anime is kind of... I mean, a- anime is a diverse... Uh, medium. Medium, thank you. You're welcome. But <laughs> anime is a very diverse medium, but... By and large, it is full of these very like wild, messy sorts of stories. It's like Gundam Wing.
0: Like Gundam Wing is completely
1: insane, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, I know,
0: I know what you mean though, because well, and like you said, there's there's anime can do pretty much anything, uh, as because it is a it is a huge medium that does lots of things, um, but. There's some, there's, there's a certain kind of story that I think you tend to think of as being like this is only found in anime, um, and it is these big bombastic, imaginative, usually messy, um, emotional, sincere stories. And Jupiter Ascending very much fits into that, uh, which is why I guess this is the part where we, this is the part where we drop the bit a little bit and say it is, it is a live action Hollywood film, but it is also anime, and that's kind of why we. Half jokingly, half sincerely, have been referring to it as that this entire uh, podcast, in a way that I think is more successful than a lot of live-action anime adaptations um, that don't lean into that earnestness. Um, That's one of the reasons Detective Pikachu worked is because it's so sincere, so sweet, um, that movie, and energetic. and I think this one falls into that category as well, and I, I hope the Wachowskis keep making live-action anime, even if it does get panned by critics, because anime is just its own unique beast. Or canceled uh, by Netflix, or because can funding be. is
4: hard.
2: What if they made the Akira I'm bitter Akira about movie. Sensei.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested in seeing that, but they're not. I don't remember who is. So Taika Oh, it, okay, you it, know it, what? it's been tabled. I'm also interested in seeing that, actually. I would be interested in seeing Waititi tackle uh, Akira. I
1: feel like so. Waititi is another fairly anime live-action director. That is true. Thor Ragnarok
0: is the most anime of the Marvel films. That's an anime for me. That's You know what? That's what we'll do for episode 200 is Thor Ragnarok. Hell yes.
3: Good. <laughs> I'm done. See you guys in two years.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm.
0: Amazing. I think that's maybe as good a note as any to uh, end on. So I will, I will take us into the the final minutes here. We hope you've enjoyed this very special 100th episode of chatty AF. If you like what you heard, tell your friends about us. And if you really like what you heard, toss a dollar or more to our Patreon each month. Um, Every dollar goes towards paying contributors, paying editors, making this podcast happen, um, basically making any fem run. So we really appreciate uh, anything you can, uh, send our way to help support the work we're doing here uh if you're interested in more from the team and our contributors you can check us out at www.animefeminist.com on facebook at animefem on tumblr at animefeminist and on twitter at animefeminist and that's the show thanks for listening Annie Fam, and remember bees do not lie <laughs>